In the news earlier this week, uh, you might have heard something else. Um, I read this on Thursday this week. You've got to be in it to win it. But you don't have to scoop the pool to whittle the day away, dreaming about how you'd spend it. New house, new car, a little help for your friends, a permanent vacation, a boarding house to save the homeless. Don't be surprised if there's a faraway look in people's eyes today. There's a fair chance they're dreaming about how they'll spend their riches if their numbers come up in tonight's $70 million Powerball draw. The jackpot is the largest lotto prize offered in Australia this year and the second largest in Powerball history. And according to the official results on Friday morning, there were three winners and they each received $23,333,333.34. Now, what would you have to do to get a share in that? Well... A regular 12-game quick pick will cost you $11.15 a week. And with that quick pick in your hand, the odds of you winning have become 6,397,300 to 1. So the odds, unless you're really lucky, the chances are all you have to do is keep playing those same numbers from those same 12 games for 127,946 years. That's a long time, isn't it? And you should come up with a Division 1 win. Uh, but of course, in that time, you have spent over $71 million. And while Division 1 prize share this time was $23 million, it's often much, much, much less than that. And so... Here's some advice for you. Lotto is the only tax that most Australians are not only willing but very happy to pay. Uh, at least that's the way it used to be when they were all completely government run and um, government owned. But now gambling has become privatised, hasn't it? And so it's becoming more and more a transfer of the wealth from the poorer classes to the richer classes. Did you know that Australians lose more money from gambling than people of any other nation. In 2011-2012, Australians lost over $20 billion, and that's not counting what goes towards overseas online gambling. And, of course, the profits made by the big business of gambling is usually at the expense of those who can least afford it. According to an article on theconversation.com, in the Western Sydney local government area of Fairfield, for example, which is among the poorest 12% of local government areas in Australia, each adult resident lost an average, get this, an average of every adult in that local government district of $2,340 on the pokies. Isn't that terrible? And that was in the 2010-2011 financial year. Across the harbour in Kringai and Willoughby, whose residents are among the richest 6% in Australia, poker machine losses were much lower at $270 per adult. Okay, so in the poorer areas, 10 times as much as in the wealthy areas. Now, with the odds of gambling being so highly stacked against those who do it, why do they do it? 
And the, the funny thing is, I actually don't need to tell you why they do it, do you? Do I? You know why they do it. It's because of the dream. It's because of the dream of how much better life would be if I was rich. It's the only chance, even though it's a very slim chance, it's the only chance that most people have of instantly jumping from living the lot of the poor to living the lot of the wealthy. But let's not for a moment believe that the poor in Australia actually are poor, certainly not by world standards. Because if you can scrounge together $11.15 a week for lotto or $40 a week to, to drop through the pokies, you're not one of the world's poor. But it is the dream, you see. The dream of most people, the dream that life's going to be better if I had more. Somebody once said, anyone who believes that money doesn't make you happy doesn't know how to shop. And there's actually a bit of truth in that. I would suspect that anyone who says the poor are happier than the wealthy have never experienced the physically grinding, gut-wrenching plight of abject poverty. Don't ever try and convince yourself that the lot of the poor is better than that of the rich. It's not. Proverbs recognises that. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15, it says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Proverbs 13.23 says the fallow ground, right, that's the ground that's been left and rested and ready to grow a crop, the fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it's swept away through injustice. And this is just so very true. In a world which is ruled by the rich, the poor are the easy targets. They're the ones with the quietest voice and the least defence. And so it's pretty plain to see why we dream to have more. And while the gambler's hope is for the big win, how many of us have, have different hopes for, for getting that little bit more? The professional hopes for promotion. The tradie hopes for some good overtime. The salary earner hopes for a pay rise. The businessman for a good investment or a good stock market year. The farmer prays for rain, even though it's not a critical drought. Things are going to be a whole lot better if we just get that fall of rain right now. Or, or maybe a lower dollar. That's what we need, so it'll punch up the prices a bit and, and that'll make all the difference. The preacher. The preacher says, well, look, you give. You fill up the offering box and God will give back to you. It'll be filled to the brim, pressed down and over." flowing. Don't think preachers are immune from this. Uh, Some of us might dream of of that rich uncle who might just happen to leave us a useful inheritance. The litigant hopes for a big payout because they stubbed their toe on a carelessly parked pram in the local shopping centre. Somehow, many of us dream for for that, that nest egg to just mysteriously appear somehow. By the way, Are you putting enough money away in your superannuation fund so that you can meet your goals of retirement? That's what we're always asked, isn't it? Can you meet your goals of retirement? Are you putting enough away? Are you stacking it up there? Now, against this backdrop, James has a word to say to us today. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation 
because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now, out here where we live, we know very well the scorching heat of the Queensland sun. If you've forgotten it, you wait until the end of next week. You'll be reminded. What are they forecasting for next week, for this coming week? Uh, 41, 42, 43, I think, by the end of the week. Yep, you'll be reminded what the scorching heat's all about. You know what happens when the hot, dry winds begin and the, and the, hot, the bright, sunny days, what they can do to, the, to your garden? Every flower has its time. Some are more delicate than others, but eventually every flower falls. Eventually every flower loses its beauty, crumbles up, blows away in the, dif- in the, in the wind. Are people any different? Every person dies. Even the most beautiful people die. The rich die. The poor die. Even movie stars get old and wrinkly. No matter how how much plastic surgery they have or Botox that they pump into themselves, eventually their body gets old and fragile, dies and decays. Dust returns to dust. What good is money to any of us when we're dead? Oh, it'll be my children's inheritance. Mm. There's a much greater inheritance that you can leave for your kids. That's a a heritage of faith. Verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Now, when the New Testament talks about brothers, it's talking about Christians, all right? So he's saying, let the lowly Christian boast in his exaltation. By the standards of society, you might be lowly. You might be nothing, a nobody. You work at a menial job. You have very few assets, no prestige. You certainly never went to the right school because your parents couldn't afford it. Half your income gets taken up in rent. Your car is covered in kangaroo damage. You can't afford to run an air conditioner even on days like it's going to be at the end of this week. And your staple diet might be chicken and rice, not because you like it, but because it's cheap. By community standards, you may be thought of as lowly, but as a Christian in Christ, You have something to boast about. The world might see you as a nobody. You might even see yourself as a nobody. But in Christ, we are exalted. In Christ, we are lifted up. The creator of the universe, the ruler of the heavens and the earth, the Lord God Almighty chose you as his child. How great is that? How much of an honour is that? How amazing is that? Ephesians 2 says that God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not because we're good, not because we're such fantastic people, not because we're so deserving. He does it out of his immense grace. 
and his mercy. He takes nobodies. He takes that which is worthless. And he says, that's going straight to the pool room. Right? It's not only the poor. The rich too. When the rich or the poor put their faith in Jesus, they are elevated to this place of honour. And so in James, the phrase is the rich brother, the rich Christian, boasts in his humiliation. What does that mean to be humiliated for Christ? To become a Christian, to believe in Jesus, means we have to come to the end of ourselves. We stop trusting in our own ability. We stop trusting in our own power. We stop trusting in our own ability to be able to provide for ourselves, our own provision, our own resources, and we begin to trust completely in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, that's much more difficult for a rich man to do than for a poor man. You see, when you, when you already know that you're a nobody, when you already know that you have nothing, well, it's a relatively small step to realising, I need Jesus. I'm just so dependent. I have nothing in myself. I need Jesus. But the rich, well, I had written him a note here, there, but I could also say we are, they are, we are, used to having everything we need. We have this this horrible thing called self-sufficiency. This horrible thing called self-confidence. They have their own resources, they have pride in their power and their prestige and they have every confidence in their future. And for someone to give up that self-determination, that, that self-confidence, the pride of who they are and what they have and what they've achieved, that's a big thing. How hard did Jesus say it was for a rich man to get into heaven? As hard as a camel to go through an underpass. No, to go through... The eye of a needle. This is why it's so hard. Because it's a humiliation. A humbling of oneself. Until we humble ourselves and realise that we are nothing. Well, our hearts aren't ready to be made right with God. We have to come to an absolute end of ourselves. So that we can trust only in Jesus. The only thing that has any eternal significance is a life emptied of pride and surrendered to Christ so that he can lift us up with him to the heavens. Do you hear what James is saying? He's not just saying you can't take it with you when you die. He's not just saying that. He's saying something much, much more profound than that. In the context of his discussion on faith, which we, were, we talked about last week, 
Uh, and it was about standing firm through the time of trial, of holding on to our faith for all that we're worth. When we hold on to that faith, we're being perfected. We, we lack nothing because Christ is our everything. Right? That's what we covered last week. And in this context, he's talking about godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom has confidence in money and staff and resources. Godly wisdom has confidence in the only thing that matters, and that's salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And some of you might say to me, but Michael, surely um, doing good things, we know that these things are, are of eternal value. And yes, we're going to come to that in a few weeks' time when we learning that James says faith without works is dead. Because the flip side of that as well is works without faith are useless. Because the only thing of eternal value is faith in Christ. And so the outcome, the flower falls, its beauty perishes. So will a rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Have you ever noticed that, that that the rich seem to always have pursuits? Have you noticed that? Um, They've always got something happening, uh, somewhere to go, something to do, something to build or or something to buy, uh, something to enjoy, another property to develop, another toy to play with. They've always got another project happening. If it isn't managing what they have, it'll be planning the next thing. The rich have their pursuits, their sport, their hobbies, their trips away, their luncheons, their social functions. Now, the poor don't have all these same pursuits. The priority of the poor has to be keeping a roof over their head and food on the table for another week. But the rich have all of their pursuits and they'll continue in their pursuits and they'll continue in their pursuits until all of a sudden the clock stops and there's no more time for pursuits. And at times like what happened yesterday in Paris, we have to be aware that our pursuits that we're engaged in may suddenly be cut short. And we don't know when, we don't know how long we have to continue in our pursuits. I'm reminded of the parable Jesus told in Luke 12. He talked about a a man, a rich man, and he is a good farmer. And he grew himself some really good crops. He said, what am I going to do? I've got nowhere to store all these crops. He said, I don't know, I'll do this. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones and I'm going to store up my grains and all my goods and then I'll be able to say to myself, self, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? And here's the punchline. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Do you get that punchline? I believe this is the same point that James is making. Don't 
put your confidence in money or staff. Be rich toward God. We have a choice to make. We always have choices to make, don't we? As part of discipleship. Constantly presented with choices. And every day we'll be given a choice whether we're going to be involved in our own pursuits, worldly type pursuits, or whether we're going to be involved in God's pursuits. If you're poor, be rich toward God and rejoice in the faith you have because that makes you rich. If you're rich, by the way, most of us are by world standards anyway. If you're rich, let your pursuits be godly pursuits. Don't involve yourself with the worldly pursuits that the rich generally follow. Be rich toward God. There is only one thing of eternal value. What is it? Faith that endures. A faith that perfects us as we're being readied for glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we are but a flower of the field. We don't know when, Lord, but the hot, dry wind can hit us and we wither and fall and fade. We know that life is short. On the timeline of eternity, the length of a life can't even be scribed with a pen because eternity just goes on and on. Lord, help us um, to live our lives pursuing godly pursuits. Lord, it is so easy to be tempted and lulled into just uh, fitting in with the world People are pursuing their pursuits and we want to fit in and, and they, sometimes they look really enjoyable. Sometimes we actually don't enjoy them, but to fit in, we, we, we get involved in those pursuits. Um, we, we think of the expectations of the world. We, we, we think of self-confidence and self-assurance and self-provision and, and we think, yeah, we've just got to become totally self-sufficient. Oh, Lord, help us just to trust in you. Help us to realise that you are the one who provides for us day by day. You are the one in whom we have confidence. You are the one in whom we trust. Lord, I want to thank you for the gift of faith that you've given us. Help us to stand strong in that faith. Knowing that Faith is the only thing that endures. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.